Well, welcome back to On Being People, our little podcast where we have a think about uh, God's view of who we are as people. Um, We're coming to you from St. Paul's Castle Hill in Sydney, Australia, and joining me here is Paul Lucas. G'day, Paul. G'day, Keith. Good to be with you again. Good to be with you. And Hugh, our wonderful producer, how are you? Hello. I'm good. Fantastic. And uh, well done, you made it through to episode six, which is actually the last episode of season one. And we're saying that because there's probably going to be a season two, right? The people want it. The people. (laughs) The people have spoken. And who are we to deny the people? Exactly. I mean, really. So uh, that's all exciting. We've been enjoying this journey. We hope this has been helpful for you too. I mean, our goal has been to uh, introduce some ideas to you while we enjoy having a chat about them, uh, expose you to some uh, other thinkers who've talked about theological anthropology, God's view of people, and and have a bit of fun doing it. Yep. That's what we've been trying to do. That is exactly right. So, <laughs> and trying, trying is, is the right important, word, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> trying. You get certificates for trying these days, so we're hoping you are in the mail. Looking forward um, to a trophy, Hugh. That's right. <laughs> Working on it. Can you organise that? That'd be great. So to finish up, um, we're going to look at a a pretty big, pretty fundamental topic for this whole theological anthropology sort of framework, and that is the resurrection. Very fundamental. Now, really, we probably should have started with this, but we could have started with this, but we're going to finish with it. As with so many of these things, it's all interwoven, isn't it? So you, you, you pull one strand of the theological web and it all comes with you. But we're going to have a look at uh, the resurrection today. And I found this quote from the Australian journalist Greg Sheridan, who kind of outed himself as a Christian uh, in, a, in a significant way last year. He wrote a, a book called God is Good for You. Yeah. Um, and in that, he wrote this. He said, on the first Easter Sunday, only the women attended the tomb. As so often, the men were too scared. The first Christians were terrified and near despair. The radical rabbi they followed, that's Jesus, had had been mocked, humiliated and crucified. But the women found their initial horror an empty tomb. Later, they met Jesus himself risen from the dead This is the story the Christian Gospels tell. The resurrection nearly 2,000 years ago, whether you believe it or not, is the pivotal event in human history. It has shaped the lives and beliefs, the deepest intuitions and culture and politics of, cumulatively, billions of people. Now, that's a big deal. That is a big deal. It has affected billions of people, but I hadn't really thought about it because we're not just talking punctilia here. We're talking through time. Exactly. Wow, yeah. That's a big statement. Which means it's got to have some sort of impact on how we think of people and who people are and what people are. It does. Yeah. And even what people mean to God as as part of his creation. Uh, In some ways, that's probably... a a good reason to finish with resurrection because we've talked about all the different or some of the different aspects of what it is to be human. But the resurrection sort of says it's, it's being human is so important to God that he would go so far as to hit history with this 
the thing that he did through his son yes to show the importance of redistributing human yes yeah. yeah so when god acts decisively in history for the good of people it's yeah. to affirm people like there is a uh affirm the 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 embodiedness of people affirm the creation that he made by raising Jesus bodily from yeah. the dead yeah so he didn't sort of write off the project of making people he redeemed it he did redeem it and and it shows that he was never ever defeated by satan either so it's not yes. like oh, i have to start again it's Actually, and Anthony, Anthony Herkema points this out in his book, The Bible in the Future, that you know God has shown that he couldn't be defeated by being able to redeem it. Satan didn't win Yes, in the beginning. And yeah. what, I, what I've made, I love. Yes. And this is uh, the upshot of that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's great. So there's all sorts of aspects, I think, with the resurrection of Jesus in us thinking about what it means to be people. Mm. Um, so why don't we try and tease some of those out now? Um, one of the things I thought um, was that it's fundamental to our salvation as people in a relationship with God. That is, Jesus uh, takes on flesh. He becomes a true human being. He lives a life that uh, we all should have lived. He lives a life in perfect obedience to his Father. He always trusts his Father he always does uh, what his father wants. He lives in that relationship of love. He dies sacrificially for us. And then he's raised bodily from the tomb. And uh, Romans 4 says he died. Now let me just flick That's that up. You scroll the page. He, yeah. uh, this is the authentic page turning sound effects, Hugh, so you don't have to look <laughs> that one up and insert it right. later. <laughs> he was delivered over to death for our sins. And was raised to life for our justification. So there's in the resurrection, there's the God, the Father's declaration that Jesus' death uh, truly did pay for sin. It truly was um, representative. It truly was uh, vicarious for us. Mm. And so uh, when he raises to the dead, uh, raises to life from the dead. Mm. The vindication of God that was on Jesus is therefore placed on those who trust in Jesus. Jesus, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad you went to the vindication where I think that was that's it's it's kind of says it all about this resurrection that God has achieved what He was going to do in Jesus. It's interesting when we talk about Jesus obeyed um, His Father and He did do that during His life. But Philippians two also talks about the fact that He became obedient to death. Yeah, what do you make of that? Because death is obviously a attribute of being human of of our bodies decay and they die that kind yeah. of stuff what do you make of that idea of being obedient to death yes well obedient to the point of death and then because it says even death on a cross it does which yeah. is that the trajectory of that passage is about the the humiliation of christ like he's coming low and then he says even lower to the point of death on a cross for our sake yeah um and I think there is a point in which Jesus' death is sort of an unnatural death. He's taken before his time. He doesn't die of old age. He dies a horrific death. Mm. And in that, I wonder too whether there's the comment of what his death does within the Trinity. That is, he's lowering himself to, to death on a cross. It, 
is to experience the wrath of the Father for our sins. So I wonder if Paul's comment there is not just an, a, an expression about his physical death, but it's his death and therefore what it was going to achieve. Mm. And we need to sort of read that being informed by the rest of the scriptures. Yeah. Um, so his death, we see in the Gospels, you know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In a way that other our, our human deaths don't sort of have that, that kind of feeling, that kind of expression. Yeah. Um, so I wonder whether that's part yeah, of it. That's what, a great point. And I think that just um, validates the, can I say, the depth of the resurrection? Sure. So that's the kind of death that he did. Why have you forsaken me? He was still risen from that point, hmm. uh, yeah, which adds to the vindication, adds to, I guess you could even say, justice, which is probably an area we won't get to today, but those sort of things. So it shows the depth of the resurrection. I'm just trying to back on what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So it means our salvation and that's important for who we are as people. Where we are meant, we are designed uh, by God in His image to live in a relationship with Him. Yeah. Um, and so we're designed as relational beings, both vertically and you know, up to God and and out. Mm. And that is all broken, and only mended by the resurrection. Yeah. The death and resurrection. Mm. But what it also means is that. Uh, because Jesus is genuinely human, a genuinely a person, our future is now bound up to his resurrection. Yep. That is, 1 Corinthians 15 uses that language of first fruits. So like he was raised, so we shall be raised. Uh, and that cuts across really every other world belief about our destiny. Yeah, um, it does. We are, we are not kind of a random collection of atoms that is just destined to be worm food. Yep. Um, we are not spirits trapped in a cage that will be released at the mm. point of death. Um, none of those kinds of ideas. We, we are embodied beings. We are soul, spirit, and flesh mashed up together somehow somehow yeah um god's creative blender i don't know how does it work <laughs> yeah that's probably a bit violent it's probably more lovingly you know potter and clay rather than blender much better you know much yeah. better. <laughs> and it is all those things yeah yeah and all of those things have been redeemed yes and so god cares about your soul but he also cares about your body yes because he made it and so all of those things have been resurrected. Uh, and I think we've got to get this idea when we think about anthropology because it's saying that, well, as, as people, God cares about all those aspects of us. And we see that through uh, the scriptures in different ways. And Jesus being the first fruits is, because the first fruits was, this is what the crop is going to be like. Yep. You know, and that's what you're saying. You know, yep. That's where we're heading. Yep. Or we're bound up with him. Yep. Um, yeah, great point. But all those things come together. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Absolutely. And so um, just tease that idea about that, that we are, we've got to understand people are embodied. So Paul says in uh, Philippians 3, more authentic page turning noises. <laughs> um, our citizenship is in heaven. 
we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, talking about the second coming, yeah. who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. So, um, and, and 1 Corinthians 15 talks a little bit about this, this sort of the transformation of our bodies as well. Um, there is a continuity in our current body with the body that we all have, like there is with Jesus' resurrected body. So Jesus is recognizably Jesus in his resurrected state, even though he's also different. Yeah. Um, and so there's this, there's a sense in which, um, like if you saw a um, photo of any of us as a baby and a photo of us now, you kind of go, could, are they really the same person? Or even though they are, there's a continuity and a discontinuity. Yeah. It's kind of like that. Or better, maybe like um, we're in, in the car park here at St. Paul's, we've got these wonderful liquid amber trees that have these seed pods yep. that grow on them and they turn brown, they fall in the ground. And once they fall in the ground, they die, but then they give birth to another tree. So the seed pod because kind of this ugly kind of thing that transforms into this magnificent tree. Mm. And it's a bit like that with our bodies, I'm mm. particularly, you know, I'll reference myself here and I know you two <laughs> find specimens sitting opposite. Sure. But that's kind of, <laughs> that kind of, that transformation of something into something beautiful. There's continuity and a discontinuity. Yeah, there is. That. Um, Will we recognize each other in the resurrection? Am I going to know who Hugh is? Like, uh, I think, think we will. Okay. I think we will. I think Jesus' resurrected state mm. allows us to say that. Yeah. Um, that he was recognizably Jesus even though he was transformed. Yeah. And so I suspect we will because mm. it's us who go through to the resurrection. It's not, you know, our our carcass is somehow transformed yeah. and insert another brain here like a, mm. some sort of drone or whatever. Yeah. It's us. It it's us who will be transformed. So there will be a continuity, even though there's a discontinuity. Mm. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting that when Jesus was resurrected, though, there were times when he chose to, for people's eyes to be opened. So on the Emmaus, with the, even the woman in the garden didn't first recognize who yes. he was. But she saw someone there. Yes. So there was something physical in front of her, but I, I, I'm not sure what's even to do with that. What, what, like what was it that Jesus, like how did they suddenly recognize him? I guess that's the spirit. Yeah. Well, the thing is, we don't know, but also he's the first fruits. He's the first one. And these are unglorified eyes looking Great upon point. a glorified body. So there's no wonder they sort of don't know what to make of In the resurrection, though, we've all got glorified bodies. Yeah. So I wonder whether that makes a difference. Yeah, we'll all be point. able to see each other. Mm. Um, and actually, I love those details in the Gospels that are kind of awkward because if you're making it up, You'd make it all just read a lot easier. It's awkward for the Christians later to explain why didn't they recognize Jesus if that really was him? Why didn't they just? Well, they, the the answer is just because they didn't, mm. and that's why the way it happened. Sure. And even though it's sort of this awkward sticking point in the in the testimony, I think that actually speaks to its truthfulness, its yeah. veracity. No, that's helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, so. Keith. That's really helpful. Yeah. Now the thing with that is, though, our our bodies are matter. Uh, it means we're not a soul trapped in a body. Like the soul is our real self and the body is just some sort of disposable clay 
that we should do with whatever. So you're not a Gnostic, is that what you're telling That's me? That's what I'm saying. What Now, what's a Gnostic? Paul, isn't that a type of pasta you get with, um, <laughs> like made potatoes. of potato and... You're killing me. <laughs> <laughs> well, didn't the Gnostics believe that those two things were separate? And you had to look after your soul, but you could do whatever you wanted with your body because we're going to chuck it out anyway. Like it's a vessel, just a purely a vessel to live in. Exactly. Right. Which meant that you could live in such a way that didn't really matter physically. Okay. Yeah. But you had to look after your soul. Yeah. And the body's actually kind of evil and despicable in that kind of view, isn't it? Because it's not the real you. Yeah. 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 And I think scripture is pretty clear that the body is important to God. Um, just beforehand, we were talking about, you know, what's the point of including something like Genesis 6, 9, 9, 6? 9, 6, yep. Yeah. And, and it shows there that God does care about the body. Yeah. You know, if you're going to take a life, then you're going to be accountable for that. So yeah. there's, and you see that all the way through scripture in um, Psalm 16, you see that uh, where it talks about the fact that, you know, the body won't see decay. Yes. Um, the body matters if you look at Ezekiel 37 that there's this valley of dry bones and, and the flesh is put back on them as God breathes life into them. So we've got to understand that the body does matter to God. Yes. That, that separation is, um, I was going to say it's not helpful, but it's it's not even right or real. So yeah. What's the correct word? I have no language yeah. for that. Yeah, no, no. But the, the, but the two go together. And yep. then obviously when, when you get the, um, you know, the God is the God is a God of Israel is one. Yep. Um, so you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Yes. And that's what you're talking about. That's kind of the blender, right? Yes. All yep. those things. Yes, together. that's right. So yep. if He wants us to love Him with all of that, then He's loved us enough to give us all of that and yep. cares about it. Yep. Yeah. Mm. And so we 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 need to love God and others with our bodies as yes. well. Yes. Um, it matters our physical presence, what we do with our hands and our tongues and our mm. eyes and all of those sorts of things it really matters because they are genuinely us mm. um it's not like we can say oh it's not me it's just my body you know yeah actually when you were saying that just then i hadn't thought of this before but so this is a chocolate out there uh, a one corinthians 7 thing where you know we're told that the husband's body belongs to his wife mm. and the wife's so don't even treat that badly mm. use that in a godly way yeah so it's not just about my body, but it's about how I, this mutuality again, yeah. uh, preserve and look after yours to make sure that you're using your body well. Yep. Yeah, that's yeah. a good point. Yeah, yeah. Can you maybe unpack that a little bit more? Like explain that to me in the sense of what does it mean to look after your body and, tr you know, in, in terms of treating your body well, like you talked about your hands and your tongue and all those kinds of things. Like what in a practical sense does that, you know, does the resurrection mean for how we are instructed to live? Yeah, well, um, you know, our, if our bodies are genuinely us, so we're talking about on being people, people are embodied beings. You know, we're made in the image of God, but we're made in a body. So I think uh, our bodies will be transformed at the resurrection so that they're not, um, they're not the final version of us, but they are a true version of us, if I can put it that way. Yep. Um, while we wait for our resurrection body, I think the concept of stewardship is really important. That is, um, we need to look after the vessel that we've been given. We're not to idolize it as though it's all of who we are, um, but we are to look after it. So uh, it matters, you know, if, if you're unhealthy, you should try to be healthy. <laughs> you should eat well and you should go to the doctor and look after yourself like that. You don't say, well, I, I don't care about those things. No, you... 
I think we're called to steward our bodies well because they are that is us that is, and and all of us is the image of God. Yeah. Um, but not idolize it. You can see, you know, examples of that all over media and all that sort of stuff that that um, people become obsessed with what their body looks like as though that the look of their body is who they are. Well, we're, we're more than that, as Paul was saying, you know, we're spirit, soul, all that sort of stuff. But I think to um, our the actions where we are in space with our body matters you know we our proximity to others in in our body matters we talked about god's people gather in church like our our physical presence with other people matters yeah Uh, so where we place our body in time and space really matters where we choose to to locate ourselves next to others uh, matters as well i think that's part of it what do you yeah i think that's really good and i think maybe the story of the good samaritan is that so we talk about our neighbor and mm-hmm. who we love? So it's those who are in need who are in proximity to us. Mm-hmm. Um, Brian Stevenson, who did that Just Mercy movie or and his book, talks about being approximate to your people. So being close to them, which is a time and space thing. That, so we use our bodies for that. So we're using our hands and our tongue uh, and our bodies to help someone else. So it's a part of loving your neighbor. So we talked about love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second is like it says Jesus, love your neighbor as yourself. Mm. And so your body is a part of how we look after our neighbor, the things that we say. James is pretty big on that in James chapter 3, how we use our tongue. So all of those things, all they're all physical things, but they can have an impact on others, maybe physically and even spiritually. Mm. So it's um, thinking before we speak. If you want to get really practical, think before (laughs) you speak. Am I using my hands to build others up? Um, Am I an encouragement to others? Even the fact that we can turn up somewhere, as, as Keith was saying, physically being there, I was thinking, okay, they're there, so this is important to them. Mm. Um, I was even I was talking about that the week we were talking about uh, Save People Serve, and I was thinking about Susie that comes, she's got Down syndrome, and she comes to um, our 10 o'clock. And she's, she's cheeky. I just love her. Mm. But, you know, she's physically there. She's physically present. Yeah. And that's encouraging to us. Yep. She's, she's a delight. So is a mum and a dad. So I think maybe there are ways that we can – because the resurrection says, you know, all these things are important to God. So are you. And so are you physically. That's where we're heading. Mm. Does that help? Like, yeah. No, yeah. I just, I, yeah. it kind of feels like that. that's not often talked about in that context. It's yeah. like, you know, it, it's it's important because it's, you know, written in certain ways in the scripture to, mm. you know, instructed to do these kinds of things. But it, there's a little bit, sometimes a disconnect between the fact that we're instructed to do all of things because of the resurrection and because of the way that God treats yeah. the body and treats yep. the person. Yeah. It's like that they're all intertwined and they are not necessarily are. distinct. It's just that they are connected together and mm. it really links back to the value that God has placed in humans and, and the human body yep. through the resurrection. I think I've never really kind of heard it mm. necessarily together put in that context before. Yep. Yeah. yeah, sure. And there's even a sense the resurrection's happened spiritually already as well as, as Keith was kind of pointing out from Philippians. So yep. we, we already have that part resurrected so we are citizens of heaven now. Mm. so how i use my body is going to be different mm. even though it's still decaying yeah as paul would put it yeah and to pick up on that decaying point i think that's another important part of the the resurrection of jesus and thinking about us as embodied beings um we we are seated in the heavenly realms right now with christ that's sort of our future is guaranteed our embodied future with christ is guaranteed and, and that's helpful to have that hope 
because our bodies now, before the new creation, will decay. And yeah, they will decay at different rates. Some people are, are born with disabilities. Some people will inherit a disability. At some point, they will all become disabled of what we were able to do in the past, whether it's dementia or your knees give out, your hips give out, you know, I won't be able to chew my food like I did because my teeth are falling out. Whatever it is, we'll all become disabled in that sense of what we used to be able to do. But all of us are, will be fully enabled to be who we're meant to be in, in bodies that work perfectly for mm. all eternity, uh, which is a great hope. Um, it and it means, I think, I think there is a hope there for people because I've watched it happen in church so many times, uh, you know, a big announcement from the doctor that changes the, the way you have to live can really rock people. Um, mm. And, and that's fair enough because of the change in that. But there's sometimes there's a sense at which oh, I, I'm now sort of diminished as a person because I can't do what I used to be able to do with my body. Uh, there is a sense in which in this experience that's true, but it, the resurrection of the body allows us to put that in a, a, a context of saying, but I knew this was going to happen and it's not my future. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So there is a hope in that. Um, and the other part of the resurrection is what seemed to be the end of the body for people, which is death, is not the end because we talked about this before, but death's been defeated. So death's a, a comma now, not a full stop. On the other side of the comma is the resurrection body that lasts forever. Uh, our lowly bodies will be transformed, says 1 Corinthians 15. So I, I take that to mean we're fitted out for eternity in God's presence. We're given that body, whatever that means, that's the body we get. And that's going to be great. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So God takes all that brokenness in the resurrection. Yeah. And restores all of it. Yeah. Well put, mate. Yeah, yeah. No, Thank well, thanks. Good. Mm. Uh, one more thing on our implications before we get to great moments. I think sure. it's important to see that, um, you know, it can be said that um, I, I am the product. People are a product of their instincts and their urges and all of that sort of stuff. There's a lot of that sort of talk going around now. So for me to be authentically me, I must obey my instincts. I must obey my urges. Yeah. Okay. Um, and people talk about that of being the authentic me and all that sort of stuff. The resurrection actually gives people a power to change from what God doesn't want them to be into what God hopes for them to be, which is actually the best for them mm. to, to re start refitting them out for eternity right now. Um, Ephesians chapter 1, I love this verse. Um, Ephesians 1, 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Right? Paul wants us to know the power that we have. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him 
at his right hand in the heavenly realms. So the power that the person who believes in Jesus has within them now is the same power that Christ used, that, that, that God the Father used to raise Christ from the dead. That power is inside you. That power is the power that God gives us to put off the old self that was disobedient and, and uh, not glorifying God and not living like we were designed to live and put on the new self, the resurrected self, uh, which means to be able to combat those kind of urges and instincts which aren't glorifying to God and put on new urges and new instincts and new uh, emotions and that sort of stuff. Mm. It's an incredible kind of implication of the resurrection for what it means for us to be people now. <laughs> what are you doing? I'm just blowing like, it, man. I mean, I, <laughs> it's just so great. Yeah. And I was, when you were talking just then, like, he uses the example of the resurrection power. Yeah. Because if you go back to Acts and look at Paul's visit to Ephesus, people were being healed left, right, and center. Yeah. You know, even in his shadow or touching his cloak. Yeah. He doesn't talk about that. Yeah. It's the resurrection power. Yeah. Because that's the full healing, right? That's the full who you really are. Yeah. The full measure of who you are. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I was just sitting and just yeah. enjoying what you were saying. That's, that's, <laughs> so, sorry, I can't take a photo of the look on my face. That's <laughs> no, really helpful, mate. Yeah, I, good. Thank you. Yeah, no, that, that resurrection power is the center of all of that sort of stuff. And it fascinates me that Paul doesn't go back and say, remember when I was with you and all those people got healed? No, it's the resurrection power yeah. to that particular church. Yeah, that's the big deal, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Tim Keller has a great little piece on that power to change. He says, the difference between knowing Christ and knowing the power of his resurrection is the difference between knowing a person and resembling a person. It's not about relationship, but about supernatural character growth. Now, what does that mean? When Paul says, I want to know Jesus, it means I want to be with him. But when he says, I want to know the power of his resurrection, it means I want to be just like him. Look at the deadness in your life. Look at the anger. How is that going to be turned into forgiveness? Look at the insecurity. How is that going to be turned into confidence? Look at the self-centeredness. How is that going to be turned into compassion and generosity? How? The answer is that the dead stuff gets taken over by the Spirit of God. The minute you decide to receive Jesus as Savior and Lord, the power of the Holy Spirit comes into your life. It's the power of the resurrection, the same thing that raised Jesus from the dead. That's pretty cool. That is very cool. Yeah. And he summed up what Paul, what you just quoted from Paul yeah. beautifully there. Yeah. 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 He has such a way, doesn't he? He does. He does. He's a gift to us. Well, it might be time for our great moments, great moments in theological anthropology. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> well, that was kind of a great moment you just that read. Was, it, it, it was, <laughs> but it really was just a curtain raiser for your great moments. So <laughs> Thanks, mate. Uh, again, I, I just it was um, it's such a big topic, uh, but I, I wanted to try and keep our resurrection around the discussion on anthropology, what it is to be human, the importance of the body, and the, the fact that that's important to God. So I picked out this uh, quote. I'm not going to tell you who it's by. I'm going to ask you to guess who it's from. Right. Okay. Uh, you, you're, you're in this, you too, Hugh. Okay. So anyway, here's my great moment in theological anthropology for this week. 
The truth about the resurrection had a key meaning for the formation of theological anthropology as a whole, which could simply be considered anthropology of the resurrection. In fact, the resurrection attests, at least indirectly, that in the whole of the human composite, the body is not, contrary to Plato, only temporarily linked with the soul, but together with the soul, it constitutes the unity and integrity of the human being. Beautifully put. Mm. The truth about the resurrection clearly affirms that man's eschatological, so that's our future, perfection and happiness, cannot be understood as a state of the soul alone, separated from the body, but must be understood as the definitively and perfectly integrated state of man or humans brought about by such a union of the soul with the body that it definitely qualifies and, and assures this perfect integrity. So Dr. Seuss? Dr. Seuss. <laughs> maybe. No, maybe not. <laughs> so this shows that the resurrection shows God's concern for the whole person that he created. Yeah. Body and soul. And those yeah. two things cannot be separated. It's so important. Yeah. Um, so, so I love that. Definitively and perfectly integrated state of man. Yeah. You know, blended to perfection. Absolutely. Yeah. And the resurrection really, really will make good. that happen. You don't like that? The blender to perfection. <laughs> oh. So just on with being in the kitchen with the blender. <laughs> uh, so the no, question that, is, who's, a, who wrote it? Great quote. Uh, well, it sounds like some sort of mega brain about the resurrection. Yeah. It may not be who you think, though. Okay. You want to have a guess, uh, Hugh? I've got no idea. <laughs> uh, Gerald Bray. Oh, Gerald Bray's got a big brain. That's true. He does. Uh, Anthony Thistleton. Can I say, oh, no, it's not that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you can say, no, it's not that. All right, tell us it's, who it is. It's, it's a quote from John Paul II in his book on the theology of the body. Wow. Yeah, it's a, actually a, a pretty important theological anthropology work. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, so it was John Paul II okay. who, who said this Great. Uh, from a great book called Man and Woman, God Created Them. Okay. And I just thought it brought out beautifully that idea of God's concern for the whole person, as you said, integrates them perfectly. Yeah. So that's our great moment this Fantastic. week. Fantastic. Very great moment. Thank you, John Paul. Yeah. Thank you, Paul. <laughs> Very good. So what are some of the implications and takeaways for this? We talked a little bit about that with Hugh's question, um, but what are some of the implications of this? Yeah, I think we've been talking a little bit about them as we've gone through. Mm. Uh, I think... It, you know, one of the big things in our current age is that whole um, postmodern approach to the body, if you like. That is, uh, my body is really just sort of a canvas for me to express the real self that's inside of me. Mm. Um, and I think there are limits to that when we when we see how God has affirmed humanity embodied humanity in the resurrection. The way he saved us was to affirm embodiedness. He didn't scrub it out. Yeah. He didn't do something else. He said, no, 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 this matters. It's important. Mm. Um, and so it, that, that has implications for things which we'll need to talk in more, uh, you know, more depth about, but it has things about the, the sexed nature of our bodies, the gendered nature yeah. of our bodies, that kind of thing. Um, uh, you know, I, I think we're going to dive into this, in, you know, in the future, so we won't go into it too deeply here. But um, there is a sense in which the body that we're given by God um, is is a good thing. Yeah. It's not an evil thing. Yeah. It's not 
something to be despised. And uh, the disconnect, if there is a disconnect between our mind and our body and how we view that, the problem may not be with the body. Mm. The problem may be with our view of the body. And I think there's there's the sort of the postmodern influence that's come through into that postmodern just says don't accept any other everyone else's meta narrative you make your own story yeah um and and i think the resurrection speaks into that and it what it says is not just don't do that it says that is what god gave you is good you know and um and god's resurrection of jesus means he can be trusted about all of this Mm. um because Christ's body was broken for us, you know, to redeem us. So Mm. um, you don't have God imposing a power upon us just to squash us down and stop us being Mm. the best thing that we could be. You have God saying, I love you, I designed you the way uh, that you are. There's goodness about that. Even though there's a brokenness to our creation, it's not all lost. It's not all broken. Yeah. And that connection between mind, so, body, soul was never meant to be sort of separated. Yeah. yeah. I think that's one of the takeaways. I think so. Yeah, that's good. Maybe another angle is also the fact that we, uh, the resurrection doesn't mean we lose that idea of the image of God either. Um, so the fact that uh, we, we're resurrected, a resurrected bodily and that sort of stuff also says to us, uh, you know, you're not God. Yes. So you're still made by God and it's the restored image of God. So don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, perhaps, yeah. is a takeaway, even though the resurrection is amazing things like you were talking about, you know, the change of people who have, may have a disability now and that sort of stuff. Yes. But we are still made in the image of God. We are, we're not God, but we're made like Christ. So I think that kind of, there's a humbling aspect to it yes. as well. We're still confined by time and space. Yes. Um, uh, even though God is restoring our, the image, his image in us. Yep. Yeah. yeah, I think that's true. And I think uh, maybe another aspect is, you know, our, we shouldn't let our identities be shaped by our bodies. Mm. Um, in that, you know, I am not worth more if I am a Hulk who works out, you know, and can squash watermelons with my bare hands or something <laughs> and I'm not worth less if I'm in a wheelchair and I can't lift anything. That's right. Uh, and can only move around through uh, uh, controlling a remote in my mouth. Yeah. Um, those things, though they may shape our experience of this life, they don't define who we are. Nice We're point. back to image of God kind of stuff here. Yeah. Um, and the bodies we have are in their current form are temporary. Yeah. You know, everyone's body will be transformed. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Paul talks about the idea that spiritually we're growing, but our body is still decaying at the yes. moment. But the resurrection means that actually those two things will come back into alignment. Yeah. And I think that means that we actually, other people actually have inherent value again. Yes. I, I can value you because of this resurrection idea yep. and I can care for you and, you know, I can speak the gospel into you or build you up. Because of this resurrection idea, yes. to bring those things back into alignment. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And look, we can affirm the decay thing of our bodies. You know, my last two dent- visits to the dentist, <laughs> you know, man, there's decay. Don't worry about that. You know, but it'll all be transformed. <laughs> Praise God. Yeah, I'm feeling that too. As you get a bit older, things. Are, are there dentists in heaven? 
I don't think so. Well, yeah, I know. Well, there's not going to be any lawyers in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> or doctors. Yeah, that's right. A lot of professions are really redundant. Yeah, in that's, <laughs> unfortunately, ministers probably one of those. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, we don't need people pointing to God anymore. He's, he's just there. Yeah. yeah, he's walking with us. We'll just be in the background going, see, that's what we were talking about. See, told you I so. told you so, man. <laughs> well, let, should we move on to that fun part of our discussion uh, where we look at some poetry? And so, Keith, we are going to hand over to you and your creative prowess. Now, before we do that, thank you for that, Paul. Just checking, Hugh, um, what's mm -hmm. the request line been like for the published anthology of the... Overwhelming. Right. Um, just dealing with a, a number of offers from different publishers looking Excellent. to take you on. And, Excellent. You know, their people will get back to your people. Okay, go from right. there. <laughs> I suspected Very it might lucrative. be something yeah. like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very good. Um, well, I know I'm supposed to find poems to kind of sum up our topic and yes. express that again thought I might just give it a shot on my own before that um, this poem is a poem about the resurrection sort of not not long after you can you see if you can hear the voice work it out the poems called hang on a minute and it goes dot, like dot, this dot. yeah <laughs> The, the tension is just... <laughs> well, that's that. It's over. Troublesome meddler, forgiveness peddler, said his plan was his pain and he would rise again. Now, done and dusted. Dust to dusted. High hopes busted. Foolishly trusted. But spear thrusted means outlook adjusted. Buried last Friday. So now there's no way for his promises to... Hang on a minute. There it is. Oh, it's good. Oh. I like the, the tone shift at the end. It's yeah. the real like... Hitting your heart in okay. there. Okay. You know, the change, the misdirection, I yeah. think. It's great. There you go. The literary technique. <laughs> <laughs> and the rhyming in that one. Yes. Oh. Did you pick up the multiple usteds? Yeah. Multiple usteds. Mm. Yeah. There's a, I was there, hanging on every usted. There's a website that tells you words that rhyme. <laughs> I may or may not have visited it. <laughs> uh, you may and Les Murray do that, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right, now look, I did find some actual genuine people who can write poetry. I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat and smuggle in two, if that's okay. First one's quite short. Um, it's called "I Am the Resurrection" by Malcolm Guit. I think it's how you pronounce it. I think you got to understand the verse. I have to read the verse. He says the verse first before he says from John eleven twenty five. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet he shall live. How can you be the final resurrection? That resurrection hasn't happened yet. Our broken world is still bent on destruction. No sun can rise before that sun has set. Our faith looks back to Father Abraham. 
and forward to the one who is to come. How can you speak as though he knew your name? How can you say, before he was, I am? Begin in me, and I will read your riddle, and teach you truths my spirit will defend. I am the end who meets you in the middle, the new beginning hidden in the end. I am the victory, the end of strife. I am the resurrection and the life. That's good, isn't it? Yeah, it is. That's really good. I had to put that one in. But let me finish with this because, uh, again, as we've said, Christians throughout the ages have taken words to express our joy for what God has done. Actually, Charles Wesley, this one is called Christ the Lord is Risen Today. I found he has a great rhyming technique for his poetry. He just puts alleluia at the end of every single line. So they all rhyme. <laughs> um, I might read it without all the alleluias because they're kind of singing. But let me sure. just say, because I, there's a mashup between what's happened in Christ and how that captures us as people up into that. Christ the Lord is risen today, sons of men and angels say. Raise your joys and triumphs high. Sing ye heavens and earth reply. Lives again our glorious King. Where, O death, is now thy sting? Once he died, our souls to save. Where thy victory, O grave? Love's redeeming work is done. Fought the fight, the battle won. Death in vain forbids his rise. Christ hath opened paradise. Saw we now where Christ hath led, following our exalted head. Made like him, like him we rise. Ours the cross, the grave, the skies. Hail the Lord of earth and heaven. Praise to thee by both be given. Thee we greet triumphant now. Hail the resurrection thou. King of glory, soul of bliss. Everlasting life is this. Thee to know. Thy power to prove. Thus to sing. And thus to love. Praise God. Praise God indeed. Beautiful use of the hands there too, mate. Your Thanks, body, mate. body and everything was worshipping. <laughs> it comes across well on the podcast. <laughs> <definitely>. <laughs> Take our word for it. It was spectacular. It was great. <laughs> well, that brings us to the end of our episode and our season. Um, on behalf of Keith and Hugh and myself, we want to thank you for listening in. We do hope that some of the, com- some of the conversation that we've been able to have helps you to think about things, um, even if your brains don't work the same as ours. But uh, we just wanted to uh, raise some of these issues, show how the gospel speaks into them uh, and uh, the things that God, that God really does care about his people and his creation. So thank you so much for joining us. Uh, and again, um, the sh- in the show notes and things like that, you can find the references that we spoke, spoke about. I'll have to get that to Hugh because today was a guess who, but we'll, uh, we'll add that in later on. And also, as we think about season two, if you want to send through suggestions of, of topics or ideas that you might have that you want us to talk about uh, next year, we would love to hear from you on that. Um, we're already working on some ideas, but we look forward to hearing what you might want to uh, talk about. 
So again, thank you for joining us. We really appreciate uh, you taking time to listen in and we've enjoyed sharing. Yeah, it's been lots of fun. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, you. Thanks, we've, you. Uh, no worries. Le- I've learned a bunch of stuff as we've gone along. Same it's here. been lots of fun. Yep. Yeah. So thank you.